<laughs> proclaiming to the world that we're not going to suffer. That we're exempt from that, that we're suffering. we're exempt from that suffering yeah. if we are faithful to God does not square. You know, that right. just doesn't hold up. Welcome to the 20-Minute Podcast, a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church. We are a caring community reaching in friendship with Christ. Follow us on social media at King of Kings CR or visit us on the web at www.kingofkingscr.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the 20 Minute Podcast. I am Tony Dixon and I'm sitting here with Pastor Rich Balvant. Hello, Pastor hello, Rich. Hello, hello, We're all post-Easter now and uh, That's right. all the work is done and we can sit back and relax. That's Yep, put up the hammock and just lay outside in the 27 degree weather. <laughs> That's right. And snow and everything else we've experienced recently. That's right. So... Well, Pastor Rich, how was your Easter? Well, unusual, that's for sure. But like everyone else's, of course, we had our very, very small group of people, including yourself, who helped yeah. uh, the video broadcast of our Easter services here at King of Kings and everything that preceded it. And from what I've understood, most people, I think, enjoyed yeah. uh, being able yeah. to worship, even though it's kind of a strange situation. Sure. My family and I, we celebrated, we worshiped together online. When we got mm-hmm. home, we watched it again, which was one of the nice things about streaming it is, you know, it's live, but then it's also there to watch again. And then uh, and just kind of had some time together as family, which doesn't always happen. You would hope it does, right. but that's not always the case, especially for people who are in ministry. I'm really interested to find out, and maybe we should have people, rather than me say exactly what happened, have people send an email or something to let us know if they took note of the tremendous transformation that occurred to Tony Dixon during that Easter worship service. (laughs) You know, I've had so many people ask me about how it is that we played a song in the middle of the service and I had a beard and I had uh, jeans and a t-shirt on and then at the end when we played a song... I was clean shaven and wearing a nice button up shirt and a tie and Well Tony got a text from his mother halfway through the <laughs> halfway right. through the service says You go shave and put on yeah, a good shirt. Clean it up, boy. <laughs> it's Easter. Didn't anybody tell you? <laughs> you yeah, dress that, nice for Jesus. That was that's right. That was uh it was one of those interesting aspects of a yeah. video worship service. That's right, yeah. As if it wasn't clear that some of that stuff was recorded ahead of time. It was pretty clear at that point, wasn't that's it? That's right. Well, obviously for Easter worshipers here and around the country, it was, you know, very different. Yeah. Different congregations, I'm sure, took different approaches than we did. Some had live services, some had recorded services, and I've seen in the news that some had regular services. Right. It's interesting that you mention that because there are a few different stories that I've seen in the news over the past couple of days, and even some of them preceded Easter, Mm -hmm. that had to do with the ways that churches were going to be celebrating Easter. And there's some pretty creative ways that we came across, and they kind of highlighted those in the news. Some of them like drive-in Easter services. Have you you seen any of those? I, I saw pictures of people that, you know, they came and drove in, into the parking lot and maybe left a space between them or something like that and, yep. and listened to it on either on the radio or through their phones or whatever, but did gather in that way so that they had sort of this gathering. Yeah, that's right. Had you ever seen anything like that before? 
I had not that I yeah. can recall a drive-in uh, worship service, but I guess I don't see anything anything <laughs> wrong with it. It's just uh, I know that historically we've seen some churches that, like in California, that got started that way. Right. And, yeah. Uh, began in a drive-in theater yep. atmosphere. You know. Yeah. So. In fact, it was kind of interesting. One of them here. Let's see. Oh yeah. So there's this church in Michigan. And they actually used a drive-in theater really? as their venue. So they didn't just use their church parking lot. They used a, a drive-in theater. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's all spaced out and ready to go for you. Yeah. yeah. They may have even tapped into their little window speakers. I don't know. Do Could they be. still have those things? I Well, if they have a drive-in theater, I assume the speakers are probably there, too, <laughs> if it's something. operational. Yeah. But, so. uh, yeah, it's been interesting to see what various congregations did. Some, you know, got on radio. I have a cousin who's associated with uh, radio stations in Illinois, and they were providing very low cost airtime sure. for churches in their neighborhood to use for their Easter services. Yeah. So lots of different ways. Yeah. Well, and that's been the one encouraging thing that I've seen is the fact that it seems like a lot of people are really doing what they can and different services are doing what they can to support, you know, the body of Christ coming together, mm-hmm. whether that's cheaper airtime on TV or, or the radio or some of these uh, streaming services kind of trying to offer their um, their stuff to people at reduced costs so that they can make these things happen. It has caused us to uh, rethink a little bit what worship is, yeah. even though we have a what we a kind of a pedestal level uh, type of worship that we'd like to attain and maintain all the time in terms of gathering and meeting together in one place and singing and all the things that are involved, including receiving the Lord's Supper and all of those aspects. But obviously that's not the case all the time. Yeah, for sure. Can't do that. Yeah. The other thing that was really interesting to see was that because of the fact that people are isolating themselves Mm -hmm. from one another, it seems like there were more opportunities for some of these more well-known Christians to come together and make like this mega worship service. I don't know if you saw this. I did. No, I did not see that. But there was kind of this one big service that included like Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin and Tim Tebow and, you know, all of these poster children of the Christian world Mm -hmm. who are also, you know, parts of other parts of the world as well. Um, came together and had this one giant service, which was cool to see, but also it's kind of interesting, I don't know, to to see that it took something like this to maybe bring all those people together. It always seems a little bit like pay-per-view church or something like that. (laughs) I mean, I don't don't want to criticize it, but sometimes those things don't seem real, real when a lot of production or something like that goes into it. it, But I don't want to sound critical of it because I'm sure their their hearts are in the correct place and they're simply wanting to be able to give people the opportunity. But I like local. Yeah. Well, and for them, they don't really probably have much of the option, do they? Because they're in the public limelight there. That's why I like what we've done. I I like what most congregations have done is attempted to maintain contact you know with your own members your own people the ones you already have a relationship with yeah and that's the most important thing is to keep those connections going and keep reminding one another of the blessings that we have through jesus yeah absolutely i would say it goes to show you that there is an element of this that you can see clearly throughout any of these news stories and that's that relational aspect mm-hmm. of the body of Christ, right? Exactly. You, you see that people, especially on a weekend or a Sunday, like Easter Sunday, 
have that desire to be together both with one another and be together in worship with our Savior, with Mm -hmm. Jesus, celebrating what he's done for us. Interestingly, though, some churches have taken heat, you know, for what they have done in order to maintain that relational atmosphere. I mean, we had several that did not alter their plans for worship and continued to invite their people to come and gather all together in one place in opposition to what was being requested by the civil authorities to maintain that space for the virus problem. These churches who have chosen to continue gathering, like regular gatherings, whether it was Easter or even the other Sundays, they're Mm -hmm. still meeting. They claim that they will continue to meet and that God will protect them from this virus and from this illness. And I guess for me, I have a hard time balancing or reconciling between the fact that it's just really probably not very smart to be out there with big groups of people. We know that. Um, And that's hard because we want to be together in worship. Mm -hmm. But does it say, I don't have faith in God that he'll protect me from this COVID-19 because I'm not going to worship? Is that really what my absence from, in our absence here from worship uh, is telling the world? Well, you you get a mixed message out of that because you have some preachers who are saying that very thing. Okay, it doesn't matter what we do, God's going to protect us from this evil. Right. And yet you have others who are saying what's taking place is God's discipline of the people and allowing these things to happen in order to get our attention, get the world's attention, and turn us toward him. So if you take those messages together, then what you're saying is in this world, Christians should have everything good, and everything bad that happens is a disciplining of the non-Christian world. Sure. And so those two things do not relate whatsoever to what God's Word has told us. You mean they both could possibly not be quite right? (laughs) I I would say in in both cases, (laughs) we find a misinterpretation of how God works in the world. Yeah. Without getting into a lot of detail on that, it's pretty presumptuous of us to make those decisions for God when he has not announced to us that what is taking place is either discipline or protection. Sure. Christians are told in Scripture that we are going to suffer. Right. So proclaiming to the world that we're not going to suffer. That we're exempt from that suffering. That we're exempt from that suffering if we are faithful to God does not square. You know, that just doesn't hold up. The other thing that is an interesting point to consider to me is how the non-Christian world interprets the message that the yeah. the church puts out or aspects of parts of the church put out in regard to that. Right. I, I hesitate to, again, I don't want to be critical of someone who says that we believe that God will protect us because we know he does. Yeah. He does protect us. But he doesn't tell us that he's going to protect us from suffering in this world. Yeah. In fact, as I mentioned before, he tells us that we are going to suffer in this world. So the idea of what we present as a witness has more impact than our worship does, in my mind. Because this is an opportunity for the church to speak to people in a very clear way 
as to how we regard one another and how we regard them. And if the non-believing world believes that Christians are acting in such a way as to threaten their existence, then that's not the witness that we want to put out. It very much is an inward focus versus an outward focus type of thing. At least it sounds like that's what you're getting at, is the fact that if we're just thinking about ourselves and our own desires and our own wants and needs, is that really uh, consistent with what we're supposed to be doing, which is considering others' needs as higher as more highly than our own? Uh, yeah, right. And from you know, from the inward side of things, if we demand that we must worship together on Sunday, any particular Sunday, it doesn't have to be Easter. If we demand that we must do so in order to maintain our relationship with God and to please Him, right then we've turned our worship into an, into a work. Yeah. And it's not an act of faith. And at that point, it gets kind of dicey for all of us, it doesn't does, it? It does. Except for those of us who are required to be here because it's our job. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, you know, you always have to come back to what is behind the desire to do anything in relation to God. And does it boil down to a work that we are doing that somehow we think will please him? Or is it an act of faith that demonstrates our love of God and for one another? Yeah. And that last part, for one another, is what Christians are judged by in the world. Right, yeah. The non-believing world doesn't care what we think about God. Yeah. (gasps) (laughs) or what God thinks about us. But they do care about what we think about them. And how you treat other people, right? And how we treat one another. If we're doing things that is perceived to be a direct threat to the existence of people, then that's not what we want to present. Yeah. People start to make generalizations. Yes. And so all of a sudden, instead of, well, it's this one church in Louisiana who has decided to continue meeting, or probably a handful of them, it's, well, the Christians just don't care about the health of anyone. And I've seen that comment. Well, they wouldn't be reporting on it in the news if there wasn't some level of that. Yes, and we don't want to be generalized as a homogenous group because we don't want to be judged by someone else's actions. Right. You know, and that's, that's what happens in cases like this. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, our actions are what are going to do us in anyway, regardless of <laughs> of what we do in any situation. So Yeah, and so we have a myriad of different responses by Christian congregations to this outbreak. And some of them have been very helpful and very useful while maintaining the idea of not infecting others. Right. And others have been very challenging and probably not very helpful in that regard. Yeah. There are ways to continue to meet together and to show one another, you know, love as the body of Christ. There are ways to do that still. It's not like our legs are completely knocked out from under us. And it's been really neat, like we started off with some of these churches who had services in different ways, because they still had that desire to come together and to meet together. And yet, 
They also wanted to do what they could to be smart about it and to respect the authorities' requests and, you know, the medical professionals mm-hmm. who are working so hard out there on the front lines. I have to admit, I was a little concerned. I mean, even here at King of Kings, because as we were here preparing for the live feed, you know, on YouTube and Facebook and that sort of thing. We had, including the van that's parked here all the time, you know, eight or nine or 10 vehicles out here. And even that, I was hoping that people who drove by did not get the wrong impression about what was going on here. Right. Uh, So we just want to make sure that we're not witnessing improperly to the rest of the community. Sure. So as we look at this whole big picture that we've been talking about today with worship and in these particular instances, corporate worship, Mm -hmm. what can we say to the people who are at home, the families and individuals who are at home worshiping about about what worship looks like now uh, versus being all together? And I guess what I mean by that is how can we reassure them they're still worshiping even Mm -hmm. though we're not all together? The first thing is that familiar verse where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of you. That's worship right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, When two or three Christians have gotten together in a family unit, I think that this is a great opportunity for families who maybe never, ever do anything in terms of family devotion or spiritual time together. Sure. To have an opportunity to watch it together in quietness, without interruption, or to be able to back something up and look at it again and actually talk about what has taken place. I, one of the great things that a friend of mine who lives in far eastern Iowa sent a picture of the altar that they built in their house temporarily, actually in the garage, sure, temporarily for the Easter service that they had. Yeah. And I thought, man, that's really cool. You know, it was pegboard and candles and things like that. And it gives us the opportunity to make personal worship real. And I like that, what's happening. Yeah. I saw some of those pictures come across on Facebook and other places as well. Mm -hmm. People who had set up small, you know, altar kind of settings like that on Easter. I think it's so cool that these families and these individuals are embracing this idea and although there certainly is something to being together in corporate worship and we will love to be able to do that when we're able to again that worship is not limited or bound to a building or a a certain time frame is it not at all and it gives us i think at the same time a little bit of a feel for what the early church was like. Yeah. Uh, where it was scattered families, you know, a family here, a family there, and then they would find each other. Yeah. Uh, out of that began corporate worship. Yeah. And so we're sort of experiencing what it's like to see worship in a more personal way that grows into something else. Yeah. I don't know if you saw anything like this. Uh, again, Facebook and you know social media is probably one of our only windows into the the rest of the world right now, which is both good and bad sometimes. But I saw several posts from people who took the opportunity to go out on their like front lawns or or that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know. And they normally don't go to church together. I don't know if they normally go to church at all. For some of them. But to come together and to maintain a pretty safe distance in their yards and to sing songs together and to worship together. 
man, you take everything else in Facebook and you can just get rid of it. I'd like to just see those posts yes. where it's like... Or that family, yeah. who, whoever they were, who took the time to make all these little white crosses yeah. that said, he is risen on them, and sometime... Saturday night or early Sunday morning, yeah. placed them in a number of lawns. Yeah. one forty-seven a.m., according to my security camera. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. so that was, that was, and that was a great thing. I'm, I'm assuming was a family that got together and as part of their worship, as part of their family worship, made crosses proclaiming, he is risen to distribute to uh, members of our congregation and others, I assume, yeah. around the various neighborhoods. Yeah. So having looked back at all of this stuff that we talked about today and about Easter and about our risen Savior, it becomes pretty clear that there is a lot to celebrate and a lot of reasons to worship and to praise him and to say he is risen, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right? Exactly. And, That's for sure. And people are finding those ways in less conventional ways. That is good news to hear in a world that's filled with not so good news. Yeah. Hopefully the good news soon will be that we will be able to worship together once again. Let's hope so. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and close our time out today with prayer? Rich, would you mind praying sure. for us? Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, that we have uh, had the opportunity to once again uh, celebrate the resurrection of your son Jesus from the dead. His death, of course, brought about our forgiveness, having taken our sins on his shoulders and carrying them to the cross, dying for us, and then giving us that wonderful assurance of that forgiveness through his resurrection. We thank you also that through this time, this season, we've had new challenges thrown in front of us so that we can experience new ways to worship, new ways to express the faith that you've given to us. And we certainly pray that whatever has happened in the hearts of people would continue so that that increased desire to worship you, to be with you, to be with one another might be maintained for a long time to come. Thank you for all of the blessings that we have received through your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Rich. Well, let's go eat some of that Easter candy that you got. Uh, it's all gone. Well, I do. <laughs> oh.